Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Toro. For more than a century with cutting-edge turf equipment and irrigation solutions, Toro has had your front nine covered and your back nine too. In fact, Toro's always had your back, period. Toro is as committed to your long-term success as tour pros are committed to their shot. That's down to top-notch customer service from Toro and its dedicated local distributors, both of whom are passionate about delivering turf equipment and irrigation solutions that solve real-world problems. Follow at Toro Golf on Twitter and reach out to your local distributor today. Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today is the seventh episode of our Superintendent Series. We are joined by Rich Schilling. Rich is the head superintendent at Jeffersonville Golf Course in uh, Jeffersonville, Pennsylvania. It is a municipal golf course. It's one of the busiest golf courses in the country, getting over 40,000 rounds a year. Uh, It's a Donald Ross design, and since Rich has been there, has seen massive improvements and is one of the best courses you can play in Philadelphia that anybody can play uh, in Philadelphia. So we talked to Rich about all kinds of stuff, his background, what he's doing in these odd times, and uh, how Jeffersonville has continued to evolve since he's been there. So without further ado, here is Rich Schilling. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. What what have you been doing uh, at home to keep you busy? Funny story. Uh, I sold my house in September, uh, cause me and my wife decided we're going to downsize my daughter's 17. So she's going away to college in, you know, a year and a half, hopefully <laughs> with all this <laughs> shutdown, um, might be, might so, be with you for an extra semester. Uh, I know. Right. It's crazy. So we were, we were having a house built. Um, we settled on our, on our old house in January, new house is being built and they shut down construction so i'm stuck in an apartment for god knows how long oh god you know we were only planning on being there for four months but now it's looking like more six seven months <laughs> so so even better you're in tight quarters uh oh, with uh, two, two, with with a quarantine or standing shelter in place order huh yeah a two-bedroom apartment one bathroom two kids and a dog <laughs> oh man oh it's fun I'm actually sharing my son's bedroom because my daughter wants no parts of that. Unbelievable. So, Everybody's yeah, probably my, getting closer than they ever were, though. I, well, it's inevitable, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing, you know, to reset, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's. I've been cooking, like my wife and I have been cooking more than ever you know and yeah and i think like that's something on we when this ends like we're still gonna cook a lot more than we used to yeah we've we, been like, getting familiarized it. with the with the instapot meals instapot's <laughs> amazing cook. it's pretty awesome yeah really good recipes you can find online so we've been pretty successful so far with that um but yeah what about uh the golf course what a, what's uh 
what you have to do with the staff. You're shut down in in Philadelphia, and then uh, what what's the what's the situation with your staff and and how you've been you know doing maintenance in this weird time? Yeah, so the township's been really great because um, it's a municipal golf course. Um, they have allowed me to keep all my staff on. So even uh, some of the college kids are now colleges, basically just Zoom classes. They come in three days a week. I got them back early and then my regular staff. So I have 10 guys on um, plus me. And we're able to get, you know, a lot of things done. <laughs> if the weather would cooperate, you know, it's been pretty cold out here lately and rainy. But um, finished up some green expansions, all my airification's done, like I said. And uh, it's been a, a superintendent's dream. No, no golf. <laughs> it's got to be so different for you. I mean, you're at, you know, Jeffersonville is one of the busiest courses in the country. Yeah, we did uh, 42,000 rounds last year, just over 42,000 rounds. And, uh, you know, that's basically an eight-month season. We're open 12 months, but the majority of those rounds come in that eight-month period. So it's it's really different. I kind of getting a feel for what the country club life's like. (laughs) Do you guys operate around the same hours? Or obviously, I imagine... When it's season, when golfers are coming out with your heavy play, it's like a matter of we got to get all this done as quick as possible in this order. Have you changed any any way like you guys mow or, or go about it where you have like a different sequence now? Yeah, we're we're starting later. We're, we're starting at seven. We're at seven to three now. Uh, typically, we start at five. Uh, we try to stay ahead of play play in during the week starts at six thirty. So we send three fairway mowers out, uh, a greens mower, two cup changers, um, two approach mowers and a T mower, uh, to stay ahead of play. But right now we're just kind of going with the flow, you know, go whatever hole you want to go to the mow. So how, how often do you have to mow to keep the course you know, I know if it goes un uncapped, it you know, you can have some grasses invade invade the greens and, and different problems occur. What frequency are you are you guys mowing? Right now the grass isn't really growing too fast. Uh, temperatures are in the low fifties, overnights are in the thirties. So we're mowing fairways once or twice a week, greens are twice a week right now. Um tees once a week so it's not really a typical uh mowing week for us in season in season we're mowing three days a week fairways tees approaches and seven days a week greens but i don't think you you want to go longer than a week without mowing greens otherwise you're gonna have a hard time getting them back Mm -hmm. That's, in, that's interesting. And, fair, and fairways, you know, you're going to lose your edges and scalp them down. I mean, we've gone 11 days without mowing fairways because of, you know, precipitation. But Tell us about how you got into turf at Jeffersonville. You've been there for a long time. This is my 20th season here at Jeffersonville. Um, I got to Jeffersonville because 
Well, me and my wife had planned to move to Delaware. I was working at a course down there called the Rookery. And she got cold feet. She didn't want to leave her friends and family. So I looked for a job back up here in, in Norristown area. And Jeffersonville was advertising uh, for an assistant superintendent. So I applied for that job, interviewed, had three interviews. Um, it turned out that the superintendent that was here at the time, Joe Fields, he was getting ready to retire. So they were looking for his replacement. So I was lucky enough to get the job and my wife's happy. And now she'd rather be down the shore probably, but <laughs> especially with the apartment, she, she probably, she probably doesn't talk to any of those friends that she stayed up here for. So, <laughs> so, so you've been there for, for 20 plus years. So, so what was it like when you got there? It, it was before the Pritchard renovation. Right. It was the very beginning of the Pritchard renovation. The course was uh, what I considered neglected for many years. Uh, fairways were probably 98% clover. Uh, there was, That's like my backyard. It was, it was terrible. I mean, the, and it was no for no fault of the, the superintendent that was here. It's just the township didn't want to put money into the course. So there was no spraying going on. Everything was mowed gang mowers. They may have had two triplexes at the time, one for greens, one for tees. Uh, and actually, I think they used the tee mower and they would flip it up to a different height to cut around the, uh, around the greens. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my big goal in the beginning was to start building the fleet. We had no equipment. Uh, we were still mowing fairways with gang mowers, you know, through the renovation and after the renovation. Uh, I talked the township into buying us some, about two fairway mowers, and immediately saw a difference in uh, turf quality. After we, obviously we sprayed all the weeds, and everything out of out of this place. What was it? Uh, what was it like? You were you came in and you immediately got thrust into a big, a pretty big project and you know, much different than a, a lot of ways people would say the ideal way to restore a golf course is, is that you've got people playing at the same time as you guys are doing work. Um, had you, had you been part of any construction projects before you got to Jeffersonville? And, uh, and if so, like, you know, how was it different with people playing while, while you guys were doing work? I was part of the tail end of the growing at the rookery down in Delaware. Um, I was mainly on uh, bunker work. This that was completely different because we were closed during that construction. This one was very difficult. Um, we didn't even have irrigation to the fairways or to the bunkers or wherever we were sodded, sodding. We had to water with spray rigs. So there would be truckloads of sod coming in and we just have to have to fill up the sprayer go water all the side it's 95 degrees out i mean it was just kind of a disaster really and, and he got hundreds of golfers but, and hundreds of golfers <laughs> you know but most guys do construction in the shoulder seasons and we were doing it right in the heat of the summer and there was a drought that year too so that didn't help <laughs> that had to be i mean in a way, it, it threw you into the deep end and it, it, it put you in this uh, sink or swim position, right? Oh, yeah. I, w I was in over my head for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember driving around with one of my sales reps and he said, if you could pull this off, you'll get a job anywhere. But I never left here. 
like, <laughs> we're still trying to pull it off. <laughs> That's uh, what was um, I guess what was the biggest changes that that the Pritchard plan brought back? Was it you know was it mostly just recapturing stuff? Had there been a lot of work done to the course in the in the intermittent years between when Ross did it originally? Well, the only work that was done before Pritchard got here was, you know, they filled in almost every bunker uh, and they planted a ton of evergreen trees. <laughs> the best trees. In, in, yeah. It, in 94, uh, the township got a grant for uh, tree plantings for municipalities and they basically put them right on the very corner of every fairway. And then, uh, 18 years later, we cut them all down. Mm-hmm. What did the, what did the <laughs> trees do from like a agronomic sense to the, uh, to the ability to, you know, you mentioned you had, you had clover fairways, but did they add to the turf issues? Absolutely. Uh, not only are they, are they casting shadows all year long, uh, evergreen trees, but you know, they're robbing all the moisture out of the soil. They're creating wear patterns, uh, because all the golf carts are riding around the trees in certain areas because they were so tightly planted. There's many reasons why why you should never plant those types of trees on the golf course. I imagine that when you guys have turf issues, it's it's only magnified by, you know, the t- intense amount of play, you know, doing 40,000 rounds essentially in 10 months, you know, that right. it 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 you almost have to be more cautious than than a club, a high-end club that's getting 10,000 rounds a year. From a play standpoint? Uh, just and, from and, like, from like a turf health standpoint. Oh yeah. I, you know, we're, we're, we can't dry the greens out uh, like a lot of these other guys and chase hot spots all afternoon because we just can't get all the greens when there's 218 players on the golf course. I think that's what we averaged last year. Uh, it's just impossible to do a lot of things, you know? Uh, so we water a little bit more with overhead sprinklers. Um, and we fertilize a little bit more so that the turf can recover from ball marks and traffic patterns. Uh, but you know, the greens were built in 1931, so they don't really need to be that fast the greens, mm-hmm. the natural undulations of the greens, as long as they're consistent, I think they're good rolling at a you know an eight and a half or nine. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could you'd get yourself in trouble, and and it would probably slow down play. I mean, does does pace of play just thinking about it, does pace of play factor in how you guys set up at Jeffersonville? Yeah, I used to not think about it. I used to not care <laughs> and just say, you know, I want the you know for my own e- ego, I wanted the greens rolling ten, ten and a half. But when guys are you know four or five putting on the eighteenth hole. Uh, it starts to get old hearing the, you know, hearing the complaints, complaints, and you know, not listening to them. I should have listened to them and said, you know what, they're right. Uh, maybe we need to slow the greens down, and the pace of play, you know, now is average four four hours, four and a half hours on the weekends. Um, when it was probably was probably five and a half hours before. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. I bet. I mean, that's you see it even on the PGA Tour, where like when the greens are really fast, like the pace of pay, play just like balloons so quick. 
you know, and these yeah. are, you're talking about the best players in the world, not, not your, you know, weekend, uh, weekend warriors. Right. Us mortals. And, and the other thing is we just don't have, a, we have two acres of greens. So we really don't have a lot of pin locations. So we have to reuse a lot of locations. Uh, our 18th green literally has two pin locations that are fair. Everything else is, is just like close your eyes and pray. So how hard is that? Because obviously you get 218 people like walking in the same places all the time. What what do you do from a turf standpoint? Like what do you try and do to keep that grass consistent with the rest of the grass you have all over the course? Is that a challenge? The grass on the greens? Yeah, like specifically the 18th where you only have two two pins. I maintain it exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the pins are just a little sketchy that get put out there. You know, um, I make sure that those that the that the fair pin placements are safe for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That makes sense. So, you know, so if you go to Jeffersonville on on a on a weekday, if you go on a you're... if you go on a Monday, you may be, <laughs> you may be five putting that green. <laughs> just know that just know that your scores, you know, they should change the the slope and rating for for early weekday play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's not the only one. I mean, the fifteenth green, the the fourteenth uh, green. There's a lot of greens that are pretty tricky out here. That 18th green is really cool, though. Yeah, it's vicious. That one is. I hit it last year in two from the tips, and I bogeyed it. (laughs) (laughs) You must have been playing an early weekday. I I think I was, yeah. It was probably a Tuesday. (laughs) Um, you've been doing, uh, you've been doing a ton of expansions and you guys, I think it's interesting. You, you guys did this Pritchard, um, project and you did a significant chunk of it out out the gate and then, but you left a lot of it. And one of the things I appreciate most about what you and the township are doing is you're, it seems like you're constantly trying to improve the product. You've got a very busy golf course. You've got a course people love in the area and for good reason. It's, you know, it's a, a well-designed golf course for a very affordable rate and, and you keep improving it rather than kind of resting on your laurels. Talk about how you guys have kind of gone about the course improvement plan from a budgeting and work standpoint of, you know, Hey, we're going to tackle these projects. Well, to be honest with you, in 2011, we sprayed a herbicide. Um, I don't know if you probably have heard about it. DuPont put out for broadleaf, oh. uh, yeah, for broadleaf weeds, and yeah, you know, we that year we started to see a decline in all of our white pines and Norway spruces. And here, those those specific species were susceptible um, to this to this herbicide. Uh, so. We filed a claim with uh, DuPont, settled, got a nice settlement check. They cut down all the pine trees at their cost. So that gave us a decent amount of money that we could throw back into the course. And that's what really started it. Um, we, we took down about 180 trees that year. And the golf course just changed so dramatically. Uh, the first hole especially is just a, a, you know, an epic hole without the pine trees now. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, you know, we started doing some, some projects. Uh, I started rebuilding a, a few bunkers that were in need. Uh, 
uh, kind of triage the, the areas that were really bad. Uh, I did redid the 13th uh, green complex that was really run down. Um, and then Ron saw something on Facebook and commented and actually messaged me and said, hey, I want to come out and help you out a little bit. Uh, maybe we can expand some fairways. I can paint some lines out for you, some new fairway cut lines, and and uh, we can work from there. So he came out, and, and we did some of that. And he's like, you know what? I see you're doing a lot of things here, and I got a guy that can help you out. And so I said, okay. No, you know, any anybody that, that can help would be great. And uh, he introduced me to Tyler Ray. Mm -hmm. So... That was probably 2016. Tyler came out and did a bunker complex for me and just like opened my eyes to what these complexes should really look like. And ever since then, we've just been kind of hammering things out, pedal to metal, you know? Yeah. It, it, how do you do that with obviously the amount of play? Is it is it taking, is it really, you know, I think like a lot of, places would just shut down a hole but you you're not really in the position you can do that is it literally like okay we're going to tackle one bunker at a time or how, how does that work that's exactly what we do um we tackle one area at a time you know just from a budget standpoint too um, we do a lot of the work in-house uh, obviously tyler will come in and shape out a bunker complex and then we'll sod it drain it add the sand and, um but we just have to dodge bullets, man. We just start start the project and let the let the play play through. They and the golfers don't mind, you know. Uh, they they love to see improvements. I've noticed that, you know, since we started, they they really appreciative of us not letting the place go revert back to what it was. Yeah, that I mean that makes sense. It, it's it, I, and I imagine like golfers have you noticed like anything with when you got the trees out did play pace of play get faster probably did um it's hard to say we do so many rounds so yeah. um i mean i guess we did because we're doing even more rounds now uh but you know the funny thing is the golfers complained about all the trees coming down because they thought we were making the place easier <laughs> <laughs> they thought that tr that the trees were going to affect their handicap, yeah. but uh, that was just you know nothing can be further from the truth because it really doesn't affect the slope and rating of the golf course at all. Yeah, um, I think that's like a common. Everybody always oh you're taking the trees out, but it lets you have like healthier grass and healthier rough. So you know the rough exactly. all of a sudden is more of a penalty. Exactly. Um, I always ask them, I say, what do, you, do, you, do you play out of the trees? You play, you climb up that tree and hit your ball out of there, or do you want to play off the turf? <laughs> Another good one is just to say, hey, when was the last time you broke par? <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> There's very few that break par here, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've been doing a ton of green expansions, and obviously I think that's something that we see it all – all types of clubs, like everywhere kind of needs to get what, how have you been going about doing the expansions? So what we did was we, tr we tried, you know, one thing and kind of failed at it. We were just going to try to scalp down the collars and some of the rough areas and just slowly bring them down into, to green sites. But unfortunately the collar dams are so bad that those areas just, 
they just couldn't handle it. So what we what we did as a backup plan, we airified when we airified, um, we collected all the cores and created a nursery green uh, with all those cores so that we had a, a good match of sod. Uh, so basically what we do is we shell out the outside of the green and do an extra pass around the collar where the collar dam was and then resod that area with the sod that we grew from the, from the plugs. That's, that's the, so it's exactly the same turf that you have on the greens. It's pretty, pretty darn close. Yeah. I mean, we do overseed with some bank grass, so there may be a little bit more bank grass in those areas because they hadn't had traffic on them for 18 months, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's pretty close. Definitely and, closer than buying sod from the from the sod farm, and a lot co- cost effective, right? Sure, absolutely. It is a little bit more labor intensive though because you're stripping sod twice. Mm-hmm. So, when do you? Uh, I'm just just curious. Uh, how you know how big's your sod farm? And like, you know, if you if you wanted to go, you know, all out on expansions, how how much turf could you get down? And in what kind of impact? Like, how many greens would that equal? Well, we can probably expand the nursery to about 6,000 square feet. So theoretically, we could probably do five greens a year mm-hmm. with that side. Um, but there's a lot of waste that goes in that too. So it's hard to say. And how long does it take to turn around? Like where you take the cores out, how long is the growing period? It took a good year for us to grow it in. Um, we have an old driving range that has been closed down for 18 years now. And so we use that tea as our nursery and it has, it's fully irrigated and it's all, it's on sand too. It's a USGA spec tea. So it actually works out well for us. Now for a quick word from our sponsor, Toro. Those big agricultural tractors you see working on golf courses with their clutch and complicated lever pulling sequences in a turf maintenance application, they're like stepping onto the first tee not knowing which swing you have that day. Toro's new Outcross 9060 can do everything those clunky tractors can, but with tons less stress on the operator and on the turf. With automotive controls and programmable Attachment parameters, even rookies on the crew can be trusted with aerating, top dressing, mowing grass, loading sand, and removing snow from around the clubhouse in the winter. The Toro Outcross 9060 is like having all your best golf shots saved, ready for use, each and every round. Follow at Golf on Twitter and reach out to your local Toro distributor to schedule a demo. And then you've been doing uh, some fairway expansions too, correct? Yeah, we, we're almost complete. Uh, we have three more to do. Uh, we're just simplifying the lines, making, you know, basically how a gang mower would cut. We're taking out ron calls and bubbles. We're taking all the bubbles out, all that those contours around the, where the trees were, where the car paths are, bringing the bunkers back into the fairway. They're kind of abandoned into the rough. Um, and basically, what we're doing is just scalping down the rough. The turnaround on that is, you know, a matter of a couple of weeks. So uh, you just have to cut it down and then do you have to seed it or anything on it? I don't. Oh. I don't seed it at all. Yeah, I just scalp Amazing. it down. You know, because our, our fairways are, you know, a mishmash of turf. They're 
bent grass, poania, you know, a little bit of ryegrass in there, and the rough's very similar. That's that's cool. It's a uh, yeah. neat way to do it. In over time, and how how many years have you been at the the fairway expansions to getting to where you're almost done? Uh, this will be the third year, so we'll complete the rest of them this year. There was some, the reason why we didn't finish them uh, last year is because we had some drainage issues in the ones that we wanted to expand this year. Yeah. So we're trying to trying to button all that up. I imagine that you you set forth all these plans and then, you know, I, I have the same thing happen to me. It's like, oh, I'm going to write this morning and then 10 things pop up and I end up being like, oh, there there goes the writing time. And I imagine with project work for you, especially with all the things going on, all the play, um, things just pop up and, and stuff it just doesn't get done all the time. Yeah, I'm trying to get better at that. I'm trying to, you know, focus on one project at a time. <laughs> My the guys they uh they kind of get annoyed. They're like, you get, you just start too many projects. Just, let's just do one and get that one done. But you know, you're not going to get them all done in the amount of time you think you are. There's I I've learned like I'm a really good starter. Like if yeah. you want to get something started, I'm I'm your guy. But finishing a big project, I might not be the best at it. <laughs> yeah that that sometimes is my case yeah <laughs> it's because i'm already thinking about the next project that, you know that's that's the problem just too creative <laughs> how, how much uh how often do you get out and play well I, we try to get out as a, as a group uh like whole you know, crew? twice a week well not the whole crew the crew that does golf we, we try to get out you know two times three times a week and if that's nine holes or 18, it doesn't matter. Just how many we can get in after work. That's cool. It's got to be fun. You get, and everybody gets to see what they're doing. Do you think it helps your staff? Uh, you kind of like know what's, what they're, what they're doing and just help them, you know, do, has anything ever come of you guys playing like an idea or anything? Sure. Um, I'm sure they're, been plenty. Usually, there's Miller lights involved, though. So, yeah. <laughs> could could spurn more ideas. Uh, but it definitely does give the guys a sense of pride when they play. You know, because they know what all the work they're doing. You know, they at least get to enjoy it. So, with you guys, obviously, you had the Dupont settlement, so you have money set aside, and and you're doing well. Like, how does when you want to do something, how do you? How does it work with the municipality? How do, How does the structure? Uh, I've always been curious of this. How does? How do you work through the the local government? Uh, okay. Well, it depends on the size of the project. Obviously, um, if it's a big project, it's got to go in front of the, the board of commissioners, and they have to approve, you know, the plans to move forward. And sometimes that's multiple meetings and there's only one meeting a month. So these things can drag out. Um, if it's a smaller project, I'd go to my township manager who's fantastic. And he's usually just says, go ahead and do it. You know, um, as long as it's under a certain amount of capital. So then, you know, they pretty much trust me, um, you know, my decision-making when it comes to golf course improvements. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing, for that, <laughs> I, I think it's a good thing. I, you're doing a good job there. 
you know, it's uh, <laughs> when you get done with say the greens and and the fairways. Do you have like do you have like a ten year plan or a twenty year plan, or are you just kind of going year by year? Yeah, it's pretty much year by year. I I do want to start. You know, I want Tyler to come up with a a master plan for us. I, I want to present that to the commissioners next. But we do have some other projects in the works before I can even present that. What, and one is we have we have some stream bank restorations going on currently. Um, that's going to take a, a couple more months, and then uh, after that, uh, the township manager and the commissioners and I've been talking about a short course on the abandoned driving range. So that's going to be the next big project. That'll be cool. That'll be a yeah. lot of fun too, huh? Oh, it's going to be awesome. You know, I I brought that idea back to the commissioners, to the township manager, actually. I visited the cradle down at Pinehurst, and I honestly had the most fun playing golf that I had in a long time. It was just such a fantastic experience. You can just have a good time, listen to the music coming out of the rocks, and, you know, just one club it around the, around the whole course. I mean, what a great thing to have for a township, too. You know, great way to get kids into it. Yeah. Kids, uh, you know, anybody that is a little scared or nervous of, you know, hasn't been exposed to golf that much. uh, I wouldn't want my first round of golf to be a Jeffersonville golf course for one. Just, I would quit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this is an opportunity for young players, um, just anybody that's new to the game to come out, have a lot of fun with their friends, you know, and have a great, great time, great experience. The, it's uh, not serious, you know, it doesn't cost, you know, you're going to be, it's not like you have to have a, all the equipment either. We're going to have clubs for you. Uh, so. How, have they come up with any, you know, early ideas for pricing, how it would work? Is it, you know, kids free or anything like that or. You know, obviously you'll have clubs out there. Are you still, still in the works? Still in the works, but we definitely have discussed that. And, you know, there probably will be a family discount because we definitely want to be a family experience. You know, I got into the golf business because it was the pursuit of free golf for me. You know, <laughs> I, it's just too, it's so expensive, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I was 12 years old, I started playing with my dad and a, a friend, a few friends, and we would go to the local 12 hole course, uh, rolling turf up in Schwanksville. And it was very similar, you know, it was $8 play all day. You know, it was just such a great experience. It was a great, uh, great way to grow up playing yeah. golf and that's, and playing with my dad and my mom and, and all their friends. And that's what, what we want this to be like you know we don't want it to you know break the bank or anything we want it to be you know maybe forty dollars for the family to play that's it i mean i think that's like one of the big things like affordable golf i i grew up at a course and i think for the entire year my my season pass was 195 dollars you know as a kid i could play golf every day for 195 dollars and awesome it made my you think about it from a parent's standpoint like which you know, it's like, oh, for 200 bucks, we can have something that occupies our child for, 
you know, endless hours every day of yeah. the week, you know? Ex- yep. <laughs> and you, and, and you meet really cool people on the golf course and, and, and you, and you, and you create a network of friends, you know? So there's a proposed plan pinned to your guys, uh, to Jeffersonville, uh, Twitter account, which is pretty neat. It's a uh, nine holes on seven acres. And, uh, yep. you know, the holes range from like basically a hundred yards and in. That's right. Yeah. I think the longest one was 108 yards and the shortest one was, uh, you know, under 50 yards and all the, all the, uh, the, it'll be bent grass tee to green. So you can practically put it off the tee right onto the green. Ideal for beginning or just yeah. fun, you know? Uh, oh yeah. I can only imagine all the mini games that you can create. Is it have different use a different club every hole you know all kinds yep. of fun stuff you can do with those it seems like jeffersonville like the your township in general is just very committed to golf is there a lot of golfers involved with this in the city or 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 is it just where you know you guys have run you know a very successful business and and that's where the commitment comes from or you know what what do you kind of point to where you know a lot of I feel like a lot of townships and, and communities view the golf course almost as a burden sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's a lot of golfers in the township. Most of our our membership is outside of the township. We do have like a small annual pass holders, amount of annual pass, and most of those are outside the township. But I do think even the non-golfers are very proud of the golf course. Uh, it is the one one thing the township has that they can – you know, really be proud of not just the one thing, but it is a big thing that they can be proud of. So I think that is the major, that's the main commitment. And, and, you know, it's very successful. Everybody I've, I've got lists of courses that I'd love to see, you know, start to be, you know, municipal courses that would start to invest back in and start to do small things. And I think your, your course is a perfect example of, of continuing to improve, you know, year after year and, and biting off little by little. If you were advising some, you know, impassioned golfer who loves a municipal course that just isn't, you know, that maybe has fallen under decades of neglect and and how would you approach trying to, you know, start to get some positive change at the at the golf course? I would probably hire an architect to help. <laughs> Say there's no budget. You got no connections. Oh, there's no architect. budget. No budget. No budget. Yeah. No connections. I'm okay. just, a, I'm just a golfer. I'm a local golfer and I'm, and I want to see this golf course get better. What's the first, what's the first few things that they, that golfer should do? Yeah, I would definitely see the superintendent, maybe even come up with a plan. You can, you can, you can always go to a meeting, to a township meeting and it's always open to public comment at a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what happened here originally in 2001. Uh, I don't know if it was a commissioner or if it was a resident that pretty much brought it to the township's attention that this was a Ross golf course. And they they didn't even understand what that was. And they did some digging and realized, hey, this is a big deal. You know, maybe maybe just do some digging and see, you know, if there's any any uh historical value to the golf course too you know that's that's a big deal mm-hmm. yeah i imagine because then you can get 
and with the you can always play the historical tag. Right, exactly. Which is, you know, it helps you tie it to the history of the of the community. That's a good point. You know, everybody always goes straight to the golf aspect, but if you could find more historical anecdotes beyond just like people, the golf course. Yeah, and, and non-golfers may embrace that even more than, you know, if you're just going, I just want to spend money on the golf course, you know, but if you say it has historic value, then those non-golfers may, you know, may hold that a, some value to it. So uh, when when are you guys expected to to expecting golf to come back? Well, the the uh, the governor just opened some construction on more, um, May eighth, so we're hoping it's middle of May. Mm-hmm. We really don't want this thing to to, to bleed into June, but um, I, I guess we just got to go with the flow. We're at the mercy of the governor. In terms of uh, just like an impact it's had on on Jeffersonville as a as a business, like what what would you say? Say you go into mid mid May, what kind of loss in rounds would that be from last year's forty two thousand? It's going to be close to ten thousand rounds That's lost. Crazy, yeah, it's, yeah. It's uh, it's going to hurt. <laughs> I mean. It, it's going to hurt so many courses that, you know, we're on the edge, you know, that's going to be yeah. a sad thing. That's, that's the scary part. Um, but you, you hate to see any, anybody lose their job or a golf course close up because, you know, it's just going to be a housing development probably, you know? Yeah. We don't really need more of those. Maybe we do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> housing development might not be the best best thing right after this. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's true. <laughs> uh, what uh? What are you? You're a big golfer. What are your other favorite courses in the area to play? My favorite course that I've played uh, is probably Plainfield, New Jersey. Another Ross. Uh, that's a fantastic golf course. Like. Um, the closest, uh, the golf course is closest to me. Uh, my favorites would be Golf Mills, mm-hmm. another Ross. Um, I played the cricket club before the renovations, and it was fantastic. I can't even imagine what it's like now. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Public golf courses. Uh, I love, uh, I think Turtle Creek's a great golf course. Um, I'm not going to promote any more public golf course. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, be careful there. <laughs> do you when you go see? Do you do you ever pick up anything when you say like when you when you play played Plainfield? Does it was there anything that stood out that you know, you you're like oh you know that's kind of like something we have here being both Ross courses? Uh, definitely, you can see some similarities in the bunkering uh, that Ron did. Um. And I did add some, I, I got inspired by some of their short grass areas around the greens. So I started to do that also. Um, similarities, definitely greens complexes. What you is know, the short grass? Even ours are, ours are on like a smaller scale though. <laughs> yeah. With the, with the short grass around the greens, uh, is it, does that 
how did that change from your maintenance standpoint? Was it did, was it a lot of work added, or is it just easy because you're already mowing the fairways? Yeah, it's not really that. It doesn't really add much more work for us. Uh, maybe a little bit more with spraying, but it's not that big of a deal. We're able to get that get through that just as fast as we were before. <laughs> Um, all right fun question before before we get you out of here um what what's what's your pet peeve what was not pet peeve but what did you what would you wish that every golfer understood about uh you know maintenance say in the morning Hmm. you know my biggest okay pet peeve or whatever is when we just get done raking bunkers the guy goes in blasts a shot out of it and just walks right up the face <sighs> and doesn't even rake the bunker plus walks up the face of the of the bunker complex that drives me crazy this is uh, i can see how that bugs you yeah. i mean we do have a limited crew and we have 92 sand traps so it's not like it's you know we do it every day <laughs> at least you know, rake your rake the bunker and 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 think about the guy behind you you know so it was funny. I was playing um, last fall, and I hit it in a bunker. And some guy was playing another hole. He walked all the way into the bunker, picked my ball up, and walked all the way out. Didn't rake it at all. And <laughs> and I, you know, I see him across on the other hole, and I'm like, "Hey, I think he picked up my ball." And he, and 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 he's like, "Oh," and I'm like, "It's you know whatever it was." It, and he go and I go. And also, you know, you forgot to rake the bunker. That's the bigger problem. Yeah, and, right. And he looked at me like I was like had three heads. But it, that was the uh, yeah. thing that actually bugged me more than the guy picking up my ball. <laughs> I know, man. There's there's no etiquette with some people. The worst was he walked in where he walked in. There's a bunker right next to or a rake right next to him. Oh yeah, I, I'm half tempted to pull in the bunker rakes. I mean, nobody uses them. I mean, it would be, it, some some would say that you know your bunkers would be better. They, you know, this is a famous uh, CB McDonald quote that you'd rather have uh, a thousand elephants run around in a bunker than uh, than have it perfectly that's, groomed. That's true. That's true. Learn more. <laughs> it's amazing though. Like the for the retail golfer, bunker maintenance is such a such a like important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's probably our biggest complaint here, uh, bunkers. And the funny thing is, is if you put sand in the bunker, they say there's too much sand. If you don't have enough sand in the bunker, there's not enough sand. There's, there's no happy medium with anybody. I think it's just that they just don't know how to hit the ball out of the bunker. So they have to blame it on something. Well, naturally (laughs) that's golfers never, that's never their fault. You know, funny story. I uh, this was a while back, probably uh, you know, ten years ago. We didn't have a roller, and this member would always come up to me and say, "Hey, you need to roll these greens; they're a little bumpy." I said, "Well, we don't have a roller." He's like, "Oh, okay, I understand." So I I bought I demoed a roller off of a local distributor, and I just parked it next to the green. I was getting ready to go out and, and roll. I, this guy gets off the green. He goes, man, the greens are great. I see you rolled them. <laughs> Didn't even roll them. <laughs> it's, that's unbelievable. 
<laughs> oh man, that that sums up golf in so many ways. Uh, yeah, I mean, I blame the, the superintendent too when I go out and play my course. <laughs> it's my fault. I shot ninety-two. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's always uh, it's always somebody else's fault. That's the, that's the key to happiness in golf. <laughs> it's never so your true. fault. You can't get mad. Or I blame it on the guy that's with me that changed cups that day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, that's that's another one. Oh, wouldn't you have a bad night last night? <laughs> list of uh most common uh it would be like, yeah, they cut the cup wrong. I I lipped out so many putts because they cut the cut the cups wrong. Uh bunker sand, you know, bumpy greens. Yep. I was I was actually told last year the fairways are too tight. They're too tight. I, I can't hit off them. <laughs> you got to raise them up. It's, it's insane. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, whatever. This, yeah. uh, so people can find you on social media. You're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I don't, I'm not very active on Twitter, but um, more so on Instagram. Oh, I got to follow you on Instagram. Yeah. I do post some pictures on Instagram. What's your uh, <laughs> handle? Uh, it's shilling two PA. All right. Same as your, uh, same as your, your Twitter. Same. One. Yep. Yep. Um, and yeah. then, uh, and then they can find you at the, at the course, you know, you're there all the time. Yeah. I'm always here. You know, that's what my wife thinks. <laughs> Anybody looking for good, uh, good golf in Philadelphia, Jeffersonville should be right at the top of the list. Oh, thank you for that. Of course, I enjoy. It. I I haven't gotten uh, tired of it yet. I've been here twenty years. So. It's it's cool, and it's I, I love you know following you guys because you it's so neat to see the the work keep going, and you know you see all all the all the greens, the expansions. It's just neat to see you guys continue to invest in the in the product. Yeah. So and it makes it fun for us too. I mean, it would be pretty boring if all we did was cut grass every day. Yeah. You know, projects, pro- projects are like the spice of the, go- you know, spice for us. Yeah, it's gotta you know, be great they, for your crew. They love it. You know, they, they hate maintaining some of these bunkers that Tyler, Tyler put together, but, <laughs> but they are awesome to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you get a drone or are these Tyler's pictures? I got, I have a drone. Oh. But- yeah, you inspired me for the drone pictures. <laughs> you got you got some you got good with the light. I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> that's just that's just a little uh, spark. It's perfect. You're yeah. you're, you're understanding how the once you understand the light, then that's you know you're gonna take amazing pictures. Yeah, that's uh, it's cool. It's uh, but we'll talk soon. I can't. I'm excited. The next time I'm out in Philly, I'll, I'll come by and see you. Well, next time you come out, make sure you know we don't have three inches of rain oh, God. dumping on us. <laughs> you were here for the worst day possible. That the whole week, it was unbelievable. Oh, Every single day it rained. <laughs> That's like the new normally norm here, though. It it's, rains every other day. It's strange. We didn't. We got no snow this year. Just all rain. Did you? Do you get a lot of play in the winter? Because yeah, we mild. do well. If, yeah, if it's the weather's decent. I mean, we got people. We, we get people out here when it's below thirty. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be like hitting into an ice cube. Oh, 
<laughs> if there's no wind, you can play. It's, it's you got to play, play the you got to play the ground game though. The ball hits the green, it bounces twenty feet in the air. Yeah, <laughs> um, all right, Rich. I appreciate the time and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. <laughs>